0: Welcome to Crafted with Cradle, a curated conversation over cocktails with Charlotte's Best.
1: I'm Jen Sudol-Edwards, and I'm Crafted with Cradle.
0: Welcome to another edition of Crafted with Cradle. I am your host, Dr. Keith Cradle. And as always, before we get started, I want to thank um, my main man, Jason Jett, for the theme music that we always use every month. You can check him out at jasonjetmusic.com. And remember, we are sponsored by JSW Media, Sweet929. And if you love listening to this podcast, remember, you can always watch the shenanigans happening almost in real time. Just make sure you click the link, Sweet929.tv. And a quick plug right now, the new book that I wrote is out, Cut the Check. Is now out on the website. Make sure you cop that, keithcradle.com. Or, you know, if you bougie, Amazon. You can do your thing. You can get it two different ways, on the website or Amazon. So remember, Cut the Check is out right now. So going to jump into this one. I'm always excited, um, to, you know, depending on who we got on the show. But today, particularly excited because this young lady is probably the definition of hashtag never not working. I, I think, you know, if I think I see myself out in the community all the time, then I'm always seeing her, and she's always working. She's always putting something together. They just came off the Black-Blooded over at the New Gallery. Uh, shout out to Irina Toshkova. Um, and now she's getting ready to start the roll-up. I think they're already getting it in, but we're going to definitely discuss that. And she just flew in, I think, from Queens University, so I'm quite sure her arms are tired from teaching. So if you know a couple of the hints that I just dropped, then you know who I'm talking about, none other than Jessica Moss. What's going on?
1: Hi, Keith Cradle. What's the deal? Nothing. How are you guys? I'm good. How you been? I'm so happy to be here.
0: And we're glad to have you.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Always. Listen, you, you're doing the damn thing.
1: I'm trying. Just trying to be like you, Keith Cradle.
0: Okay, well, you know, we'll see. I, I've heard people say that, but I'm always in the, the mind frame that y'all doing a little bit more than I am. So oh, I just try, yeah. try to you kick, know, I try to play catch up.
1: It's a, it's a reciprocal thing, right? There it is. If things are happening, we got to show up for them. It's
0: symbiotic. Mm-hmm. Symbiosis. Right, check it out. We always start this conversation because this is a drinking podcast. What's your favorite go-to cocktail? If, if, you, if you're at the bar, the line's getting long, you don't want to hold it up, what rolls right off the tongue?
1: Jameson and ginger beer.
0: And how'd you get there?
1: Who it taught you that? It took some time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Who taught you that?
1: Uh, this is not a easy moment. Uh, I learned myself. Thank you, Keith Cradle. Mm. (laughs) Uh, I think that you experiment, right? Like with everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, There is no difference with spirits. You experiment, you learn what you like, what vibes well with you, and what you don't like or what you've had too much of. That's also very relevant. Very. (laughs) So... um, Let's see. I started off drinking gin when I was younger. That was my first spirit.
0: So you know, I've got. I've, we've talked about gin on the podcast before. That is one of my taboo spirits. Um, Let gin me tell you gin why. gave me nightmares, but we're gonna give it back to you.
1: Okay, I have to explain this because it's kind of ridiculous. We were young. Uh, gin is clear, and our parents would have a lot of large bottles of gin because who drinks gin?
0: Right, were well, you doing the switcheroo? We did the switch. <laughs> I knew
1: fill, where that was going. We would fill the gin bottles with water. Yep. And then years later, after graduating college, I remember we were at one of my best friend's house off of Carmel Road and went to have a cocktail, checked the gin to see if it had changed. And it was, in fact, the same bottle. Still water? water. It was all...
0: F- <laughs> that is, So years later... Years later. After all the gin... Had been drank. hmm The parents never went back. So obviously they weren't heavy drinkers. at <laughs> no drinks social gin? No one. No, there it is. No one drinks gin.
1: Except for, I guess, young children where it's all that they can And they recognize to. <laughs>
0: you can switch with water. hmm So I heard you reference, Karma, where are you from?
1: Uh, I will claim Charlotte. I went to Myers Park, Mustangs 05, you know. Uh, I graduated, yeah, class of 2005. So I have been here for some time. And this is one of my many homes.
0: Okay, so homes, plural. Plural. So, where else on the map? On oh, the man. wide world expanse is, is just.
1: This feels just like good. Ellen, also. I'm like, because I want to talk to you because I know that we're That's what you here. Should. But also, no, I No, don't that worry about them. Okay. Don't, oh, worry okay, about them. don't This is us. Okay. So, um, in the 10 years that I went to school before college, mm-hmm. I went to 13 schools. So,
0: five different
1: states.
0: Was your family in the military?
1: No, but my mom moved around quite a bit. Okay, She was really, in short, she worked as a surety bond underwriter, um, and her career really took off in the 60s. Okay. And uh, she was the best. And being a black woman and being the best in this field was really challenging for her. Uh, However often she would walk into conferences of rooms that are full of all white men and she would lay down the law and they would have her transfer to different offices around the country to really train teams and get the offices up to snuff Mm -hmm. and people would ever know who she was when she first walked in but then she would really school the group on what was happening and uh, dynamics would quickly change. So she was in that way, okay. um, more of a, you know, taking on a leadership capacity. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm. So out of all the places you lived, which one, I know you already said Charlotte, but what other one stands out?
1: Oh, sure. Um, well, I was born and raised in Southern California, city okay. of Orange.
0: Does it ever rain?
1: <laughs> it never rains. <laughs> so uh, Irvine, Santa Ana, Tustin, and Orange are all Orange County. Yeah. And that's where I spent most of my childhood and adolescence. And then uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Three generations of my family have grown up in the Hill District but you know is home to greats like August Wilson, yeah. our own Romeo Bearden. Yeah. Uh, so <clears throat> being able to have that history and that local landscape and still use that as a space that I can consider mine right. um, and that family is still there is really important to me. And then of course Chicago, I can't. Oh wow, the Windy City. I can't forget Chicago. That is, that is a space where when I get there and I land on a plane or when the doors open to the CTA, I immediately feel like Dorothy. Okay. And I am. I've arrived in at home.
0: Very nice. So you so you brought up Pittsburgh, um, and I've been to Pittsburgh a few times. Very art artsy city. Um, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, like the Mellon Foundation. Yeah. Yeah. Huge. Um, so that brings me to what I, I hate doing at times, but comparing and and making comparisons. Is Charlotte an artsy city? Sure. Okay. Well, dive deep into that then. Um, Why do you feel that way?
1: Well, there are artists here. Okay. Who are making art
0: okay well how about does the, the charlotte embrace
1: i mean i think it can be as simple as that right? okay that, like, there you go what we need to do is recognize that there is an audience here and there are people who are doing the work here mm-hmm. right and it only negates all of their work and their experience if we don't acknowledge them so right. it's not that it's not happening here right it is happening. Mm-hmm. um do there need to be more platforms for visibility? Yes. I okay. think that's more of the direction. But is is Charlotte Creative, is Charlotte Artsy? Is there an arts community here all of those? Yeah.
0: Okay. And so talk about your background in art. How did you get into art mm. curation, cultural activities? How did it start for you?
1: Painting? Really? Drawing. Really, you paint? Hmm? Really? That's what my degree is in. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. You trying to buy a painting?
0: If I what, what you got? <laughs> you got one in that bag right there?
1: Oh, I see. Sure. You got, I can you, show got show you, this, my you got
0: a <laughs> 8x8 Eight and a half by 11 in there?
1: Oh, we're only selling the 30 grand ones. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, the
0: budget is large here. We got $2 million bulbs. So listen.
1: No, so uh, my bachelor's is in painting, drawing, and printmaking. Okay. But my world started as drawing. Uh, I used to take the Sunday comic books Mm -hmm. and copy them okay like Kathy
0: freehand do you
1: remember Kathy I do
0: I'm old enough to <laughs> so remember funny. That.
1: my mom found like 30 Kathy drawings somewhere in a garage recently I was like I don't know what and to she do was drawing these.
0: pretty simply too yeah it's it's very, like very elegant right mm-hmm. but
1: there's a, a lot of accuracy that's required when things are simple mm-hmm. anyway um it requires patience and looking okay and so I started there and would really um find a way to be you know I was alone I've 16 years between me and my next oldest sister. So she was already out of the house. So I had to find ways to entertain myself. Got gotcha. Right. And drawing is easy because it doesn't require anyone else. Right. There's <laughs> always an opportunity. You. Right. To activate a blank sheet of paper. Right. Um, and so from drawing, I got more into musical theater. I okay. went to the Orange County High School of the Arts. Okay. Um, theater, singing, And dancing, which is terrible because I'm not a dancer. Um, But I did that. It was fun. Okay. And then from there, I got more into uh, painting. Gotcha. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay. Because, I mean, in, in drawing, so how do you know when you're good with the drawings you're making? Because I know, for me, I used to try to make drawings like stick figures. They didn't really look like stick figures and I used to do those M birds like you know the bird and this guy yeah. was an M and the Stuchis. It it's horrible it was horrible so how stuff? do you know when you surpass that and you know you have the talent to do it
1: well i think it depends on what your unique goals are as an artist right not everyone wants to have a photo realistic rendition of an object okay. that's not everyone's goal, right? Sometimes folks want to experiment with just materials, right? right. What does it look like to think about making a drawing with wood chips? Who knows who knows, but the only way that we'll know is if you experiment and try it there you go right so I think that uh experimentation is key here
0: okay so so after that, so you um You go off to school, to Mm -hmm. college. Where did the curation aspect come in for you?
1: Uh, Folks ask all the time about how you can get into working curatorially. um, Because I think there's a veil in what it is. And I think that the word is either overused or used in the wrong context Mm -hmm. often. Um, To work curatorially means to bring visibility to a specific uh, mission in art. Okay. It could be that big, right? Right. Um, and pulling together all of the components that make that into a reality. Uh, you don't need an institution to do this. You don't need a physical brick and mortar to do it either. Um, I think that what the biggest thing that i try to teach my students at queens is about autonomy Mm -hmm. and that if you want something know how to define whatever it is and then just go do it Mm -hmm. you don't have to ask for permission okay so i would have house shows i would hang up my friend's art in my house and invite people over (laughs) and sell the work out of the space right or i would come with proposals directly to institutions and say here's a plan this is how much it would cost to do it are you interested right i don't think that you need anything but the drive and the passion and the clear vision to do whatever it is that you think you need to do next
0: i like that okay so so speaking of that drive and that passion talk about some of your current roles right now in our community
1: oh yeah yeah i'm uh Just leaving Queens University, I'm teaching leadership and administration in the arts. Mm -hmm. Um, This is a bachelor's major. Mm -hmm. Most of my students, I have nine 20-year-olds and one 55-year-old in my class. Um, I appreciate that spectrum and that diversity because students are so interested in so many different things that the conversations are robust. Right. Um, We have talked so much about... Uh, culturally specific institutions and serving underserved populations. Nice. But I feel like we're preparing uh, the next generation of art leaders to think really strategically about why, right? I, I'm really trying to demonstrate that there's not a right, you know? It's never a yes. It's There are multiple perspectives. That's very good. Um, I'm also the director of the Roll-Up CLT, mm-hmm. which you alluded to earlier. Um, this is a national network of artists and residencies. Um, the project here is on the west side on Camp Green. And there's an artist who lives in the space for six months. They're provided with an honorarium of $20,000, a car, a materials and budget stipend.
0: Huh.
1: I link them up with a local nonprofit arts academy where I serve on the board so okay. that they can teach classes directly to students who live in the same community
0: So is there's a, there's a direct engagement
1: direct engagement right. immediately upon arrival uh, I give them housing uh, pay all utilities and the goal what
0: time can I move in I mean I, I mean I'm, I'm hearing bills well, paid get getting a car. Uh, 20 G's, I need... All right, keep going.
1: Right, this is, this is ideal. This is very ideal. There are so many residency programs that exist, right? We see them all over the world. Mm-hmm. However, there are very few that just provide the basic needs for artists, right? It's not about creating a body of work after the residency. It's not about how many exhibitions can you show while you're here in Charlotte. It's not about whatever, right? What it's about is chun lee Mm -hmm. who's our current resident he's a good dude too shout out shout out yes uh lives in the community and develops relationships Mm -hmm. and meets people and has conversations and forms a knowledge transfer system so that the next resident artist who comes in the space has something to build upon right. rather than starting a clean slate. I'm so less interested in linking tune with the whatever and making sure that he has an exhibition before he leaves. We can do that and that's fine right but the real value in this residency is just giving him time to make to work work just work
0: and and you know I, I don't think a lot of people know that you know when they when they meet artists, when they see artists, if they go to a gallery, a lot of times, those artists are working regular jobs, yes, and they're finding time to do the creation, but they don't have a, you know they don't have the actual opportunity just to do the work full time to start something to finish it, and so you know when we talk about res- residency programs, it's it's very interesting that people don't know the history they don't know the insight and wondering you're just thinking that all artists are selling stuff every day like mm-hmm. you know they think that an artist is selling stuff every day, and why should I have to pay them? or $300 for a painting, you know, when I, I can probably do that at home for six bucks and you probably can't, but still, right, to give someone an opportunity to be able to work all day, just concentrate on the work, I think that is so huge.
1: Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Of course. We just did a program at the McCall Center because this is another. Another
0: residency program.
1: Yeah, another residency program and a, a, a recent gig that I've picked up. I'm organizing the stimulus program at the McCall Center. Just so um, one
0: job, two job, three job.
1: Yeah, hustling. Uh, there's a lot of work to do, Keith Cradle, right? I'm quite sure. We got to do it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Somebody's got to do Somebody's it. Gotta do Somebody's got to do right? it. Somebody's
1: got to do it. So um, the McCall Center program recently was called Balance and it featured Juan Logan and mm-hmm. Tom Stanley and Antoine Williams who were all speaking about this, the challenges of being artists and because it is inevitable that to pursue a career as an arts practitioner at some point in your career, the chances of you having to get a second stream of income are incredibly high. Yeah. So Juan talks about uh, learning to uh, at one summer he was like on a fisherman boat and he was like fly fishing and learned how to make these ties and now he uses that practice of making these ties in his painting. Wow. So there's even value in it, right? We learn through these experiences, but there's still it's very difficult to find that balance.
0: So, speak. We talked about you know Charlotte being artsy. Yes. Um why is art important?
1: Wow. Um, what a question. I made my students recently write about the purpose of art. and
0: The teacher becomes now the, the student. <laughs> to of
1: synthesize art. their responses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. I think it really depends on who you are and where you are at that current stage of your life. Because I think art, because I know art is personal. It's about where you are and how you perceive it. It's subjective, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So, of course, there is knowledge that's involved, right? Understanding the history of the artist who made the work, why they made it, the period that it came from, the media that it is, right? Other pieces of their work so you can understand that evolution. I think all of that is valid. But there is this... Just, I don't know, organic quality that comes when you see something for the first time that you're drawn to. Uh And maybe you don't have the words to articulate it right, but you can know that you like that
0: thing. Uh (laughs) Was there a particular thing for you, a particular piece, sculpture that just jumped out on you when you were younger?
1: Well, when I was younger, um, let's see. I was like a latchkey kid because we would move around and mom was working uh-huh. all the time. So I would spend a lot of time. I would go to the museum right after school. Okay. And I would just walk around the museum. I'm safe there. <laughs> it's like who's gonna take who's me? Gonna t- yeah, 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 who's yeah, gonna Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, all of the pervs are at the gas station. <laughs> yeah, exactly, the the, museum, right? the museum's a safe space.
1: Safe space. So I and mom felt comfortable with me going to the museum after school and walking around until she could come pick me up. So every day that's what I would do. And the uh, Always, De God ballerinas will always remind me of my childhood and of my mom. Wow. And of that experience of being independent in a space with these isolated objects that read movement but are frozen in time.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a lot. No, that was good. That was good. And you've been drinking, so listen, you, you, you really pulled all that together. So... So for so for you, you've actually, you know, you've worked corporate jobs here mm-hmm. in, in large institutions. Mm-hmm. You've been around Charlotte enough to even help out with medium and small. And now you're doing stuff a little bit on your own, even though you're still kind of venturing into some of the larger institutions, just not as I would say, you know, the on staff person. Yeah. So you do more more contract work. Mm-hmm. Is is that better for you? Is that something that you thought about and you said, you know what, um, I'm good at. Securing different streams to do what I want to do versus going back to a huge institution with one job and then having to focus primarily on that.
1: Hmm. It's like um, I don't really watch sports. Okay, you guys were talking about sports when I came mm-hmm. in.
0: Because it is baseball season, playoffs. Go ahead.
1: Okay, so Kaepernick, right?
0: Yeah, go ahead. This is a whole like different sport, but
1: different sport, but. <laughs> uh, the term free agent is often used there you with go him, right? There you go. Okay, so Keith, can you educate me? What does a free agent mean? So this? a
0: free agent is someone who whose contract is up or about to come up. Okay. Meaning at this point in time they no longer have obligation to the original team yeah. and they are free to sign with whomever at whatever price point, depending on what sport you're playing, there is a minimum threshold they can sign for okay. with each with any team. So
1: I'm functioning as a free agent right now. There you go. Right? And this gives me the flexibility to not be tied to a specific organization, but to be able to advocate for artists across zip codes, right? Or uh, institutions Mm -hmm. or geography, right? So being able to be on the exhibition committee for the Light Factory and the new gallery means it's that it's about creating bridges, right? right? Building bridges and not working on islands. You know, the work is about creating culture within Charlotte, mm-hmm. right? It's not tied to a specific institution. I it's like, like what can we do for our city? And that requires that we all hold our hands together, right? And we start putting our hands in to like do that work, mm-hmm. right? This is, requires not one space. But it requires everybody, all hands on deck, right?
0: So, so, that, so that goes, I think, back to, to Black-Blooded, where it was spread out over a multitude. So if people didn't see that, and I don't, I don't know how, if you were in Charlotte and you did not at least experience, I think, one of the many offerings that Black-Blooded was, was giving out throughout, what, two months? Is it full two months. It's a long time. First off, talk about Black-Blooded. Um, And then talk about, again, I think that whole collaboration, you know, over competition where you you were spreading it out over different institutions.
1: So Black-Blooded is an exhibition that featured over 50 artists and 70 works. Uh, The exhibition was meant to show the diversity that exists within blackness, right? Because, Keith, I got so tired of going to see exhibitions that were centered around blackness that only told one narrative. How many times... Do I have to walk into an institution that honors the South and see a picture of Emmett Till? How many times? Is it a requirement that I see hangings when I want to honor my ancestors? I'm confused by this. Mm -hmm. Are there other ways that we can tell those same stories, right? Because even those images that are in these institutions are dusty. Right. (laughs) And our story has (laughs) continued way since then, right? There has been um, many years since Emmett Till's death and no disrespect by no, 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 at no, no, any no. means and I'm not saying that that history is not important right I'm just saying that there is more history to be told than the end of the civil rights movement right right and arguably the civil rights movement is still happening today and so it is continuously important to continue to show those stories and provide visibility to the narratives that have happened from 1960 until 2018, Mm -hmm. right? Why have I not seen an image of Sandra Bland in any of these institutions? Why Mm -hmm. is that not a story that we're being told? Why is Cheryl Rowland's work not shown everywhere all over the country, right? So this exhibition is meant to show the nuance, right? The diversity that exists within blackness because it's not a monolith, right? I'm sure that, sure, there are many stories of those painful moments, but there's also the converse. And that doesn't have to be the only perspective in which we view black people in America because there is danger in that. Amen. So this show features vibrance and luxury and wealth as well as mourning Mm -hmm. and literal blood and macabre. Um, and failure.
0: Incarceration.
1: Incarceration, right? Um, It tells stories of family and generations. And what we did with Black-Blooded as an exhibition is that we knew that it couldn't exist in this fancy white tower in uptown Charlotte. That for the show to really show all that it could be Mm -hmm. it would have to come to you you couldn't just we couldn't expect you to come to it right and so you did come to it right 400 people showed up at the opening on a wednesday night which was remarkable um well
0: i missed opening night well you yeah i was in greece you but (laughs) but i came i came to everything else, yeah, go ahead.
1: But in addition to the actual opening, we had to Which was beautiful, by the way. I saw pictures,
0: video. It was amazing, I'm um, out. I can't even believe. Beautiful, it was beautiful.
1: And then this means there's no excuses, right? But if you didn't make it to the opening, there were 12 other programs around the city that you could go to to have conversations directly with the artists about their work and a way to bridge not only the new gallery but what was happening in Uptown Charlotte with other pockets throughout the city? Mm-hmm.
0: So, so when you in, when you envision that, did you do you feel like everyone would embrace it that way? Would the other institutions say, "Sure, come on in," or did you think there'd be some pushback? Because because did they see how it related to them too? Mm. I guess that's the question. So
1: I did that work. Right. So I came to them with a proposal that said, here's what I want to do. This is how much it's going to cost. I get a broker fee. This is how much the artists are going to cost. This is what the program is. Here's 10 options of what a program specifically could be like in your institution. Mm -hmm. For example, Locker Projects, which is a site for Latin American contemporary art here in Charlotte.
0: What's up, Neely?
1: What's up, Neely? And the rest of the team. Yeah. Right. Hey, Bryce. Bryce. I think it's important to demonstrate, right, um, that much of the Latin culture is derived from the African diaspora. Who would have thought?
0: <laughs> um, I, I don't know. Why would, why would I think that? <laughs> Who would have thought? You know, and, and we'll put a pin in that. The same way I was having, the same, I was having a conversation that is similar to that, where, you know, um, Caribbean, you know, American, you know, all the, you know, you're talking about African, the diaspora, Caribbean, Latin, people feel like they're, like, how did those connections being made? I'm like, they all started. In Africa. Uh-huh. You know, when you talk about Afrobeat, you know, Caribbean, I mean it's all the same yes. stuff. There's something in there that ties it all back. Yes. But people exactly. people act like they don't know or they don't want to know that. They just feel like we're so different. Man. It's like nah. White
1: Supremacy runs deep. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> that was light. Um. What, what we was do right around
0: here. are gonna top that off. Bring that glass back over. We're gonna top that off. <laughs>
1: On that note, or are you going to the? We going
0: back to the white wine? Or are you gonna? You gonna no, do no, this? No, no. Let's keep right. drinking. There you go.
1: Uh, okay. Yeah, you know, I have my little ice cube is melting.
0: Well, that's why we have a bowl of ice cubes for you. <laughs>
1: Thank
0: you. Ice cube. Today was a good day. <laughs> Today
1: was a good day. Go ahead. Okay. What was I saying? This is what happens when I drink. Oh, uh, it's
0: a good thing. That's what we do right around <laughs> here. So we're talking about. Um, convincing somewhat the institutions that this needed to connect to everything that they were already doing. So
1: LACA Projects, right? uh, Their mission is related to exhibiting and presenting work that relates to Latin American artists and uh, artworks, right? And Neely, I know, has explained before that her role specifically is about showing that diversity that exists within that, right? It's not... I think she came to speak to my class at Queens recently, and she referred to it as quote-unquote tribal, right? It's not just that. And I think when people think Latin, that's often what they, you know, like Mayan prince, this kind of thing, right. what, you know? And her role is to show that it is more than that, right? right. So it's a great mission. It obviously relates to the exhibition. right? Neely, homie,
0: <laughs> I would like
1: to have three artists who are going to be in Mm Black-Blooded, who identify as Afro-Latino, speak at LACA projects before the exhibition opens at New Gallery. Way to get a win-win right? You get all the shine because the, it's right. before. It's like a cool preview. Visitation. People get to meet the artist yeah. before the big opening and look at how it illuminates an even larger discussion within your space, mm-hmm. right? Additionally, we get to really highlight the artists who had an, a current exhibition in the space and find a way to tie that to black blood. It mm-hmm. makes so much sense, a lot right? of sense. Uh, We did a program at the library with Carmen Neely, Stephanie J. Woods, and Brianna Robinson. And this program was specifically about black women who are in academia, both as instructors and students, and the challenges that exist there. Mm -hmm. It was perfect to have it at the library. Right. We talked about Roxanne Gay and Bad Feminists, as well as bell hooks, right? And broke into these these moments of other black women who have been in similar positions. Mm-hmm. Again, these programs extended across the city, but right. there were ways to make them...
0: Connect to the institutions you brought them to. Exactly. Okay. You are bright, intelligent. Um,
1: Thank you, Keith.
0: All day. And, and, and you're, a little, you're a little bit younger than I am, so what I want to talk about is you know, marketing arts to younger generations. Um, what, you know, what I see a lot of times when I'm out and about is usually folk that I've seen before a little bit my age, maybe a little bit younger. Um, but a lot of times we're, I don't think that we're engaging younger folk mm-hmm. to really be a part of the bigger fabric. You know, while there might be some fringe stuff they're involved mm-hmm. in, what are your thoughts on that how we can get them more engaged, more involved to really start becoming patrons, collectors? Um, members you know start taking jobs Mm -hmm. inside the art community
1: wow um maybe we should listen to more of that jay-z album where he talks about art collecting and just like have that echoing throughout every that magna
0: as magna carter holy Grail? (laughs) not probably not one of his best (laughs) Uh, (laughs) we we can get in that all day you know
1: the one with the animation that looks like mickey mouse
0: it's that was the last. That was mm-hmm. that was four, four, four. That one, yeah. That's what four, four, four. you four, four, four. about Yes, yes, yes. You
1: yes. gotta save money and start collecting. Yeah, yeah. Right? Was maybe four, maybe four, that's four, the mission. Yeah. Maybe it's story of OJ. Story of OJ. Thank you. Maybe it's people who are already. This is a lot about responsibility. People who are already in leadership roles, where you have access to the arts and culture. I think it's about opening that up, right? Um, not being a gatekeeper, but sharing. What is available, and maybe uh, just demonstrating all that can be right. My students are so interested in being curators. I think that's because that's all the only language they know. And right? do they
0: associate that with you, though?
1: It, they, they. I think they see power players in the city, and they're like, they're curators. curators. And I think that there are so many more roles in the industry that require smart, dedicated, and engaged people that could be filled that can provide more uh, funding mm-hmm. than working curatorially, oh, yeah, that provide more freedom than doing so in this capacity, that provide less stress. You know, I, I have recently had to dye my hair black because I had too many grays coming in. Seriously, <laughs> this is like a, a very stressful process of organizing people's lives and Mm -hmm. emotions Mm -hmm. and to take that on administratively is quite a feat um and you know we did a project where how much do you cost right how much do you cost and it's so cute these girls these women these students we got to eighty-five thousand dollars. that's how much they think they cost a year so this
0: you don't you're doing almost an evaluation Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. on you as a person and what it cost exactly. for, for living or what your
1: the whole year expenses your apartment your house right uh, disposable income things that you buy whatever yeah. right um, your utilities you might take you know you got a car i'm sure right all of these things your tuition all of it right 85,000 a year then we looked up how much hmm, an average curator makes a cute 45k <laughs> <laughs>
0: and and is that in a, is that a major city is that a, is that like is a major
1: like, city oh. <laughs> right and and I think and this isn't this is a median, right? Yeah. Um. But I think, seeing that right and understanding practically what it means to do this thing that you think is maybe very glamorous, right? right um. Maybe it's not exactly what you were thinking. You can't it get was. your nails did?
0: Need <laughs> new <laughs> <laughs> if you need new bundles. Listen, <laughs> I don't know if you're gonna make it.
1: Right. Yeah, so I think, you know, I'm really trying to demonstrate that, right? Like that there are, it is feasible. And there are creators oh, yeah, 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 who yeah, make yeah. a lot more money than this. Don't get me wrong, right? right? Of, of course, however.
0: But doing the actual, like being an actuary saying, hey, listen, this is how much you're worth or this is how mm-hmm. much you need. That is an eye opener.
1: Theory versus reality.
0: Man. And people, people need a little bit more reality these days.
1: Oh, tell me about
0: it. Mm-hmm. Speaking of reality on instagram you' we like to we like to um you know we like to we like to dig into people's i g accounts hilarious. you know what i'm saying we follow so people we follow really
1: call me out on my instagram we
0: lurk a little bit okay, around listen. here but so your 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 screen name
1: mm.
0: jesse Plain. okay we can
1: talk about this yeah
0: we what did you think we i don't know which which pictures do you think we had
1: well no no right <laughs> so not that hilarious. <laughs> No. Um, so Jesse Plane, yes, where does Jessie that Plain. where does that come from? So uh, my best friend, her name is Marion Mariba. She's a singer and a songwriter in Los Angeles. She just had a show this past Sunday in Chicago at Subterranean. One of the things that I did this past weekend, uh, Marion is that oldest friend of fourteen years.
0: Because we did talk about old how, how people get to be friends with people mm-hmm. for long periods of time.
1: Long period of time, we'll say twelve. That's fair. Twelve years we've known each other. Okay. Um, which is I'm 32, so that's a substantial part of that's my good. life. Yeah, you know, that's a big a lot
0: a lot of, a lot of, you know, a lot of the real transformative years.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Um, Marion and I were instant friends within a university setting. It was immediate. And it was like our energies just connected. Okay. We were hanging out one time and there was a bunch of people around and somebody referred to this guy as Jimmy mm-hmm. Slacks. They were like, hey, Jimmy Slacks.
0: Did he have like, like on some pants? Or some... Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's how the old Italian mob nicknames yeah, like right. Tony Two Toes.
1: This is exactly how the conversation went. And we were like, oh my gosh, that's the coolest nickname ever. I was like, Johnny I don't want a nickname like, like Jimmy Slacks. Jimmy Slacks. Jimmy Slacks <laughs> Slash is such a good nickname. Man. And at that moment, Marion named me Jesse Plain. I was, you know, not on a different path than I am now in that I was constantly traveling all the time. Um, My father uh, spent much of his life, quote unquote, in the sky, as my grandmother used to say. Okay. Um, Because as a civil engineer, he's constantly traveling. And airplanes and flights have just always been a theme in my life. And Mm -hmm. so... It made sense as a nickname. I don't know if it's nearly as cool as Jimmy Slacks.
0: Jimmy, listen. Jimmy Slacks is—is is, is he? Listen. If he's still out there, if Jimmy Slacks hears this,
1: Carnegie Mellon.
0: <laughs> man, you, you listen.
1: He probably doesn't even know, honestly. And we have referenced him so many times. He
0: doesn't since. know that he's Jimmy I'm sure,
1: Slacks. I mean, no. He knows he's Jimmy. Oh, Slacks, he knows he's Jimmy but Slacks. But he doesn't know that I've been telling the story for twelve years. <laughs>
0: that everybody. <laughs> I wonder if he's still using it, though. I wonder. Because that's a fucking nickname. It's like, a great one. Like, I mean, you you know, people ask you what your nickname is. Jimmy Slags. Jimmy Slacks. What's kid. your
1: nickname, Keith Cradle?
0: I don't have one. I did have one. Oh, we
1: got to come up with one. No,
0: I, I had one a long time ago. It was, I, I never liked it. People still call me that. They still call me that, like, like, people from back in the day, the neighborhood, like, when I was just, I was just in New York, um, and people still call me. See, so they, they they call me Kazo. I don't know where, I don't know where they got that from. Like J-Lo. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Kezo. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. And so my uh, my man Kirky e. Bryce, um long time ago, this I think we were at the Westchester County Center and there was a concert and and I think somehow um this is this was back then with like Steezo, you know, it, he had a ski on everything, mm-hmm. you know, all this stuff, mm-hmm. you know. And and somehow Kirk said it and it stuck and and I think it's much better than what the girls nicknamed me um in Fifth grade, which was Squeaker, because um, I was so small.
1: Oh, <laughs> well, you had a spurt.
0: A little, yeah, I did, I did, I did, and you know, you know, Apple remix, you know, six inches tall, you know, a couple, of, but but yeah, so got rid of those nicknames, okay. and then and then Chantel DuBois, if you're listening, Chantel called me the Professor, she because I, I had these huge glasses, but it wasn't meant to be cool then. it, okay. it was more, you know,
1: like she was messing with you.
0: Yeah, you know. This guy thinks he's smart. You Who's be, this guy?
1: That, Who's I think Fucking the professor's professor cool.
0: Well, now I mean, he okay, sure. said now. But. So,
1: would you be offended if I refer to you in this way for the rest of the podcast?
0: No, you can do that. I'll actually okay. be teaching classes at UNCC next semester. So, but
1: I mean specifically, it will be Professor Kazo. Oh boy!
0: <laughs> <laughs> How much more time we got?
1: <laughs>
0: you you do what you need to do. So so because I know I know the roll up is like your baby right now. Yes. Talk about what you know. What you planned for the roll up um, a year from now, five years. In, I mean, what's what's the roll up gonna look like?
1: Well, how about we go backwards? So, I bought my first house when I was nineteen because it was cheaper for me to pay a mortgage than it was to live on campus. Um, and then I invited a bunch of my girlfriends to come live in the house with me. So. Uh, we had a great time destroying a piece of property thinking that we were really rebuilding, right? So we'd watch HGTV and drink wine and be like, oh, yeah, we can we can definitely <laughs> towel this whole floor. This is, we got it. Yeah. And then we would do it and then wake up in the morning and be like, oh, my God. What,
0: what did we do? And here? we started and didn't finish. We
1: started and didn't finish. Or it's just like, this is not how this, this is not sound. <laughs> like, this is not.
0: D-Y-I. <laughs> don't.
1: Literally, D-I don't, yeah. D-I don't. Or do and learn through failure. Um... But this was a great, yeah, this was a great moment in failure and learning how uh, you can control the situations that you're in. And now those places still exist almost like relics, right? It's funny going into these spaces, which now just function as a ho- affordable housing for artists and students in the Hill District, um, have that same tile floor, right, that I did when I was 19. Uh <laughs> And so I hope that there is like, yeah, these moments of ephemera to these spaces, right? But all of this is just trying something, seeing how it goes, mm-hmm. failing, and then trying it again. So mm-hmm. from that first house, I purchased a second house in the same neighborhood, uh, which at 2000 and Nine, We know there was like a major economic crash and um, the property was incredibly affordable. So I bought it to secure an investment and um, did the same thing. Rehab the house, um, put some homies in the house, artists, students, same kind of discussion uh gave them, you know, I don't care if you're Section 8, I don't care what you identify as. Uh, if you need a space to, s- to stay, if you are seeking asylum and everywhere else has turned you away, this is a space that is safe for you. Um, and so yeah, I'll take, right, I'll take your Section 8, I'll take whatever you've got, um, because the role is providing access to people who otherwise don't have it, right? Um, And how could you make art if you don't have a place to live? Come on now. How could you, if you think about priorities, right? Sure, a laser cutter would be super cool to have in your living room, but what about your light bill, right? If you're really thinking about how things are functioning. And so, again, this role is meant to provide those basic needs, right? Affordable housing. So that second seed spawned into a third seed. And so now I have, Three units, um, three individual parcels in uh, Pittsburgh, in the Hill District, Um, one is four unit, one is two unit, one is eight unit, and they're all occupied, again, by students and artists, Mm -hmm. and I hope to continue to stay on the affordable housing model. The project here in Charlotte is incredibly different, right? Um, through the generous support of the Knight Foundation, I am able to fund this project instead of having to receive from artists, right? right? Um, so only with the sustained support am I able to continue the model in the way that it is currently functioning, right? I can't have Keith Cradle come live in my house and pay him 20 Gs out of pocket after Tune leaves, right? Like that's not practical right. or rational. Um (laughs) and so I really rely on uh other funding streams. And I make hard ask all the time, so I will use this as an opportunity to say if you are interested in the roll up, please find me because we are always looking for ways to sustain our program. Tell people how they can find the roll up. You can find me at at the roll up CLT on Instagram. You can also email at info or excuse me, I think it's therollupclt, CLT at gmail.com. And you can also find me, as Keith alluded to, on Instagram at J E S S E P L A N E. That's Jesse Plane.
0: Because I think what yeah, you know, I, I know enough about what you're doing and I think the roll up in and of itself it's um it is it is so cutting edge and it's needed. You know, in this community, one of the other things that I'm listening and as I'm hearing is almost that buy back the block mentality um, where we're looking at not only creating safe spaces for artists, but safer communities, um, the ability to own, to dictate a little bit what happens mm-hmm. inside that community and to do it from almost, you know, I know you, you know, you're dreading the word at times, but a curatorial cur- no, frame true. of mind yes. that, you know, you're actually, you know, positioning all these mm-hmm. things and saying, okay, this is what we're going to do over here. This is how we're going to do that. Why? Cause we own it. Mm-hmm. And if, and I think if people kind of approach things from that ownership mentality, yes. they realize how much power they actually have.
1: Oh my goodness. This is such a great moment. Okay, so I'm going to say something that's going to be wild. Are you ready? I
0: think, hey, let me take a drink first.
1: Yeah, here. Cheers. Yay. Did you make eye contact? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Gentrification is a dirty word.
0: But it's a real one.
1: But I wonder, I question if it's really such a bad thing. I think if we consider the author of the gentrification and the long game that they might be aiming for, we might think about these processes in different ways. For example, I'm a disciple of an artist named Theaster Gates.
0: Okay.
1: Theaster works specifically in the south side of Chicago, but also in Gary, Indiana and Milwaukee and Detroit, many other areas. He gets bricks from Winston-Salem here in North Carolina. Theaster is the intersection of fine art, community engagement, and advocacy and activism. He bought his first piece of property in the south side of Chicago uh, for I think like $50,000. Okay. Uh, 67th and Dorchester. The community is called Greater Grand Crossing. Are you from Chicago, Chuck? No, but I've been
0: there. Okay, I was just awesome. there a couple of weeks
1: ago. Oh, excellent. I love Southside. South <laughs> Side. <laughs> Greater Grand Crossing, right? This is a black community, historically black community. Right. Um, he purchased this property to turn it into a studio, right? So he was a working artist. He's a ceramicist. Needed a place to do his work. Was a student at the University of Chicago. Bought this place. Didn't pop it up. Had these big storefront windows inside. People could see his studio as they were walking past. So cool. Wow. Uh, started to get a lot of shine, right? That, oh, this young artist just bought this piece of land and has this cool studio. At the same time, Ebony Publishing Company, or excuse me, Johnson Publishing Company, right? Via Ebony and Jet Magazine, Negro Digest, right? Essence. Essence, yes. Uh, was closing their brick and mortar. You think about an institution that has been around pre-Google uh, and a research library pre-Google, Right. They had like 50,000 books. Wow. They didn't know what to do with them. Got this young black artist on the South Side. They gifted their entire collection to Theaster. He put it in the space, opened it up as a community center. Anybody could come inside and access it. 2009 happened. Again, economic decline. He purchased a property right next door to secure the investment. It's like we were, I didn't even know at the time, right? I didn't even know. So bought this house, rehabbed it. Wax Poetics, right? Major Chicago staple music archive was closing, brick and mortar. What do they do? 7,000 records, theaster. Wow. So he just kept buying property throughout the South Side. Now it is this network of economic redevelopment in a focused community that is all about supporting black people and black communities through the arts. The intent. This is a remarkable thing. One man works very closely with politics, i.e. our mayor, Rahm Emanuel, purchased MySpace, the Stony Island Arts Bank, which I opened in 2015. Okay. 14,000 square foot, all marble, everything, had been vacant for 50 years, previously was owned by the Nation of Islam as a black bank. Come on now. Right? One dollar from the mayor. What? $5 million dollars in rehab later, three to five years, and now, right, it functions as a site for contemporary art in the South Side because so many people who live in that zip code in that area in Greater Grand Crossing have not yet even had a chance to get downtown to see the Art Institute of Chicago, or the MCA, or even the DuSable Museum. Mm -hmm. So it's right here in your neighborhood. It's here for you, baby. Right? And if you don't want to see the books, we got the records. And if you don't want the records, we got the art.
0: We got what you need. We
1: got what you need. We also have programming. We also have affordable housing. We also have engagement directly with artists. We have residencies, right? This was my this was my model. The blueprint. This is the blueprint. I left the Astra, I quit my job. This was the hardest thing I ever did. In 2016 and uh i had a plan in my mind you know you have a plan i was like yeah i'm gonna quit my job today (laughs) and he i think he knew (laughs) i really think he knew because i arrived at work that morning and he was like come get in the car nah and we went to milwaukee from chicago it's like two hours
0: (laughs) two hour ride
1: (laughs) and we had such a chat and i was like he knows he knows And we had a whole day in Milwaukee. He showed me other spaces that he has. He's like, This is this, this could be this, this is what we're building. Look at the legacy, right? Uh Like this could this could be ours.
0: (laughs) Come with me, my child. (laughs) This This could be all of ours.
1: it was all already happening and you could see the foundation that this man this artist this genius Had been building for decades for generations, right? A plan. That the vision was clear and he was just moving very strategically to make specific goals happen. That's it and Carefully and thoughtfully and no rush, right? Because the work has been happening forever and we know that it will continue to happen So let's be thoughtful about right. it. So we get to Milwaukee. We're drinking whiskey. <clears throat> And I told him and he encouraged me and supported me. And my plan was clear, right? It was, I'm gonna do this work in Charlotte, in a space, in a place that is specific to me. Because people would walk into the art bank all the time and they look at me and they're like, you're not from here. And I'm like, how you know I'm not from <laughs>
0: here? <laughs> Did you not sound like Why it? Can't <laughs> Why can't I
1: be from 67th and Island? You ain't from here. Why can't I be from Private school. <laughs> you know, they play me. Um, Professor. So that was a huge part of it. But also, you know, my mom is very transparent when she talks about the violence in Chicago. And that's real. And I think she was very scared when I was there. Um, I saw many children, children, who would be on the block who I would never see again.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? And that became another uh, factor into the work. And... uh thinking about responsibility of the work, right? So if I'm going to do this work, I need to do it in a place that's specific to me. right? In a space that I feel I can take root in, or if I don't already have root, right? Um, and that I can grow. And so that required me coming back home here to do the rollout. Because I
0: remember you, because you did leave for a couple, of, but you did go back to school. I mean, you went to school. Oh, yeah. And then you, and then you, you finished school and came. <laughs> so you did that, right? We know all the gaps. We got everything right here but it's but I <laughs> okay, we can pull it all up but but i think you know in that that time that you left you know listening to to that story um hearing it you know unequivocally in your voice the unwavering commitment that you have now for charlotte um i don't i don't know if people know how much of a treasure that you are Thank to the city that's very kind hey i i listen i i only recognize real and i and i see real it. recognize real real recognize real um and and so you know what you're doing, having you back. I you know I remember um, like when you first came back, and and if it was this this overwhelming feeling, I think of people who missed you. Hmm. Um, I don't think I actually knew you too much before you left. I, I know we kind of you know you bump around in some circles, and then um, it was always you know everybody's like you know you know, Jessica Ma, Jessica Ma, and I know we you know we went out one time for yes. not not romantically people, <laughs> but we went out for lunch Please for, clarify for because tea. People, we we For tea, we went out for tea. <laughs> um, but, but just to hear your commitment, yeah. you know, to the refurbishing of neighborhoods homes then, you know, and that was a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And to know now that you're back, you're committed, you're doing this, you know, with, with a ton of passion, a ton of love, um, and with a true intent to really uplift communities of color, um, you know, disadvantaged, underserved, fragile communities, you know, not only through the arts, but but I think, you know, through the dollars, um, through business sound, business practices, you know, that says a lot. Um, I appreciate that. Oh, listen, you, you know, you deserve it all. Thank you. Um, and so that, that, you know, that's the type of thing that we like to talk about here. Um, because art is one thing. Art is, a, is one of those drivers. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, there's something inside of it that once you get past, you know, you know, just the, I think the artistic look, um, the feel, whatever it is, you know, those, there's some genius level people in our community that are doing art or curating art, um, who need a platform and need to be able to find, you know, like-minded folk to help Mm -hmm. with the mission. Have you found a lot lot of like-minded folk in this new mission that you're on?
1: Yes. Um, Well, I think because the, let me think about that. Have I found a lot of like-minded people within the mission? Yeah, because the mission is open, right? The mission is about relationships and being transparent. <clears throat> so, Chun is um, Chun's black, um, but he looks Korean when you see him. I thought he was. Mm-hmm.
0: Man, damn. Jun, my a, man. This is a great My story.
1: bad. Um, so, also, okay, so it's his name is Z-U-N-L-E-E, yeah. but he pronounces it Chun. Chun. It's almost like June, but with a C-H. Chun. Chun. Yeah. Um, Chun and I first collaborated at the Stony Island Arts Bank via Theaster, who I was previously sharing. Um, about Chune is a photographer from Toronto, but has shown work all over the world. He has work that's in the permanent collection at the Smithsonian in DC right now. Chun's killing it. He has work that's just been acquired by AGO, a collection of his. Like, this guy is remarkable. He's working. He's working. And to be able to have had an opportunity to collaborate with Chun pretty consistently since 2015 has been remarkable. Um... Actually, the other day we learned that the first project that we ever worked on, we didn't learn, but you know, we kind of like reminisced, remembered, um, was almost like a derivative of the project that we're working on currently in the roll-up. So what he's doing is, tune is open. He wants to talk to you. His information is everywhere. He is so easy to find. Mm -hmm. He wants to know specifically about your story, Hmm. your family story, and he wants to uncover this information through photographs that you share with him. He'll scan the photographs in your presence and then offers you the digital copy, which is arguably something that you probably haven't had before. And elongates the life of the actual object, right? Right. The goal is for him to collect these stories. Collect sounds hard, right? Because it sounds like a real.
0: It's like a job.
1: We're just talking. Right. right? (laughs) He's just talking to people learning about their specific role in the neighborhood within right. Camp Green, right? You know, Camp Green is a military base. Mm-hmm. Um, and within this community, you know, you think about the GI Bill and all this history and how it relates to Charlotte. Yeah. And even so, within this community, behind the houses, within all of the forests that still are there, are the actual obstacle courses that they would use for the military to train soldiers. Mm-hmm. Um. This community has immense cultural value and history, but this is the moment where white men in suits are showing up with briefcases offering you $30,000 of for your house. All day. And, and then when you say no, they show up later with a piece of paper that says we're going to take your house mm-hmm. and we're not going to give you anything, anything. Right? Because there's a hairline crack in the tile or your roof is potentially leaking, right? Yeah. So that thirty grand You should have should have is so hard, right? right? Because there's still a value in not only just the piece of property, but also the land. And West Side right now, all we see is town moving to it. We see the bikes, right? We see the dog walking. We see all the breweries popping up. These are signifiers and we know this. Yeah. Which is why I always encourage these places to have conversations about it rather than negating it. I met some guys who opened a brewery in the West Side recently and they were like yeah, we're not from Charlotte, but we found this cheap property.
0: Like you found it. Yeah, you, like you, Christopher and Columbus. And we are
1: colonizing. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, what a great opportunity Twin. before your opening to invite people. Why don't you, I gave them names. I was like, have Juan Logan in here <laughs> who's done work about gentrification for years, right? Who thinks about the object of boat as a motif, yeah. right? Like, let's have people in here who are already having these discussions here to talk about it. Right. So it's not like we're just ignoring. This is a crazy concept.
0: That, I think <laughs> that sounds a little bit like right. I don't, I don't know where you would... How would you even think of that? Why would you even think of something like
1: that? I saw the Cindy Sherman show at the Broad a couple of years ago with Alexis Taylor when I was at the Gann Center. And you walk in and there's like these huge big prints, you know, because she does these like kind of cinematic works where they like cover whole walls. And you walk in and there's a whole wall covering and it's her with black face. And I was like, hmm. It's, you know, Eli Broad is like... One of the biggest art directors in the world, right? Like Im- immense collection, like so powerful, respected art demigod, you know. Like mm-hmm. this guy, uh, the Broad Museum, you know. <laughs> uh, hmm, this is an interesting choice. Right. So I walk through the whole exhibition, and then I come back to that image, and there's a didactic on the wall that has language, and it's a quote from Cindy Sherman, the artist. Okay. And she says, "I did this." It was wrong. It took me some time to figure out that it was wrong, but now I know it's wrong, and these are the things I learned. The quote directly from the artist addresses it, right? Because maybe it was that bro knew that I would walk in and see it and be like, uh-huh.
0: oh like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, what in the...
1: Right? But it's not that it didn't happen, so it's not that we can negate it like it didn't
0: happen, right. right?
1: It's that it did happen, and maybe it's an opportunity for us to use it as a platform to have a dialogue, right? Teachable moments. Teachable moments.
0: Yeah. Speaking of which, the T-shirt you got on. Oh. So I I recognize it. My
1: babies did not today.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but but it's one of those things where um, you know where you know things that have, you know past things become relevant today. Yes. And if and if folk haven't recognized that, I, I think Kim Kardashian. Yes. Recently and, reappropriated I think it. Amber Rose Somebody too. else reappropriated yeah. it. Um and and so i think that's what's so key about you know a lot of stuff when we talk about black history we talk about black artists um appropriation that we know where these things come from we know there's a history we know there's a platform and a foundation yes. where we have done amazing and remarkable stuff for decades this isn't like this stuff is not new um but folk are acting like hey you know i discovered that or this is you know and i think that some that conversation in charlotte Is happening all over the place. They said, "Folk are moving here by the droves, Mm -hmm. and the history of Charlotte Mm -hmm. is being swept away um, as they knock buildings down, as they raise new ones." You know, the folk that were once there no longer able to tell the stories. Um, You know, shout out, and we're gonna because Alvin and Dave are gonna be on here next, and so we're gonna talk about you know the whole Brook Hill project that they did. What's up, guys? And so, so you know, that's another. Those conversations are happening, and it's glad to see that again. We talk about intentionality, intersection. Collaboration—that those things are, are are key. I think that those things need to stay at the top, you know, of everyone's conversation, along with social mobility. We mm-hmm. understand that, um, but to not sweep away the history mm-hmm. and to not forget and lament on folk, as if they don't want more—they do. Yes. But historically, if there had been obstacles, laws, things in their way, they couldn't get those things. Yes.
1: Um
0: And so, all right, so we got to get ready to wrap up. I know, you know, we, you know, because we could go all night. I think. Um, yeah. One. So before before we before we get ready to tap out, give them your contact info one more time. Give them everything they need to know to find you. Um,
1: everything is Jesse Plane. Okay. So you can find me j e s s e p l a n e dot com, as well as j e s s e p l a n e at on Instagram.
0: Any tips for the folk out there? How can how can people really get involved? Um, not only in what you're doing, but this this art community here in Charlotte.
1: I mean. I think it's as simple as just do it. It's kind of funny because, you know, like these Nike controversies are mm. happening now. But yeah, just do it, right? Don't wait for permission. Be autonomous. If there's something that you're looking for or a specific goal that you have, then you should just do it. Don't ask for permission. Just ask for forgiveness.
0: Bam. Bam. Jesse, thank you Anytime. so much. Um, thank like I said, you. we probably could talk for another hour. Sorry, I didn't know. No, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> I do be talking. But, but that's what we like. That's what we like. We like real honest conversation. Um, hope you enjoyed your cocktails. I did. Thank you. Um, Keith. You still have a bowl of ice there. Um, you might want to use that. If not, Chuck will finish. Because Chuck, let me say, our producer Chuck, he will go in. I mean, he he does his best work. Saucy. Um, <laughs> So as always, remember, you can, you can catch Crafterwood Cradle on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio every month. As always, again, you can catch us on Sweet929.tv. Um, remember, cut the check. The book is out. Uh, KeithCradle.com. And again, for you bougie folk, Amazon.com's got the book, too. You're going to pay a little bit more if you, don't, if you go to Amazon. But either way, we'll take it. We love you. Um, so remember, the book is out. Cut the check. And as always, listen. You know, we want to continue to engage folk in these art um, and cultural engagement conversations. Um, So tune in here because we bring you the best of the best. Um, This has been another exciting edition of Crafted with Cradle. And as always, so Jesse, raise your glass up. Is there still something in there? Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. And we will see you next month. (laughs) Cheers. (laughs) Peace. Find Crafted with Cradle on iTunes and iHeartRadio. Check out video of the show at dailymotion.com and sweet929.tv.